Today is January 13th, 2019. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877 with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, as well as the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge um, all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Oki, I'm Mekochis Jestakom Aki or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and languages or language keepers as I try to learn the proper pronunciation. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman, given to me in ceremony, and I honor the Blackfoot. My English name is Michelle Robinson, and I was born as Michelle Elliott here in Calgary, which are English names that have afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Nice Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower, a daughter of the American Revolution, all while having an Indian Act and Post status card. <clears throat> my lo- I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories making me a visitor here. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to the area of Clincho Tinne Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical to creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest. <clears throat> Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down the red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything I talked about today or just want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3300. One zero. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area. Patreon account. Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is also up. So a lot's happened. Um, obviously, I did the podcast for the rally that we had on Tuesday. And since then, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think that we're starting to see the, you know, new Idle No More pop up or uh, resurgence is probably the best way to say it because, um, you know, that work uh, that was done by the first four founding Idle No More group, they set the structure that we can contact each other now. And um, I think that's really helped in mobilizing us. So I'm just going to share some things that I posted on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I shared this one particular picture and it had some historical facts about Canada and First Nations in BC. So for 87 years between 1866 and 18 or 1953, Indians were not allowed to take up any land in BC. 
For 24 years between 1927 and 1951, Indians were not allowed to hire lawyers or pursue land claims, which I knew was a total thing. Um, for 66 years between 1850, 1885 and 1951, Indigenous were prohibited and imprisoned for potlatching. Again, this is uh, BC specific. For 52 years between 1871 and 1923, Indians were prohibited from participating in commercial fishery. Indians gained the right to vote in BC in 1949 and then gained the federal vote in the 1960s. And I know here in Alberta that was really late in the 60s because of the way the elections worked. BC treaty process began 25 years ago in 1992. Six out of the 65 First Nations have reached the final stage of their treaty negotiation. And this was uh, listed in December, so this is very recent. And, um, you know, I, I bring it up because for this week, um, I've been co-organizing two rallies. Uh, both times, ignorant, non-Indigenous people were screaming their ignorance at me. Um, yesterday, we had a rally and the crowd there, it, it was a counter rally to the Yellow Vests. And for those who aren't following the Yellow Vests, they are racist, homophobic, um, just unfortunately, really, really ignorant. Um, you know, they kept saying things like, you know, Alex Jones was news and globalization is a thing. But to me, globalization is just a whitewashed version of colonialism. It's just folks who think they're just woke and um, really think, oh, well, this is this is a thing. And I, I called them out. I said, yeah, well, we were talking about this when in Harper's era. Where were you? Welcome to the party. Um so yeah, I, I just shared it because I think there's a lot of allies now that are like, you know, let's move aside the yellow vest. They don't know what they're talking about, but there are a lot of people that want to learn more. So that's part of the reason why I share those things. Maybe I'll elaborate more on yellow vest later. <laughs> this is a really great tweet. Um, everybody loves crying about climate change when it's trendy. But when Indigenous people are fighting to protect water and, and the land, it's quiet. Except for Elizabeth May. She showed up to get arrested. Thanks, Elizabeth May. Another thing that's going on right now is... Um, so back to a little more back to the Yellow Vest movement. Um, I don't want to call them whining crybabies, but that's kind of how I feel about them right now. Um, anyway, another part and component of that is that um, Justin Trudeau's been doing some conversations across the country and you know there was a woman who asked her a question asked him a question about the uh, construction worker thing that he had said a while ago and I'm just I'm still so shocked and surprised by non-indigenous when they say these ignorant things because we are literally in the middle of a missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and two-spirit inquiry right this moment like that's that's happening and yet they don't understand how these some of these construction workers are directly contributing to it and you know because i was at that rally yesterday i seen ems workers um you know honking in support of the yellow vesters lots of trucks obviously and we know that many truckers were actually are part of human trafficking issues that we have and part of the missing and murdered indigenous women girls and two-spirit issues that we have like there are already existing reports on these things so 
to me to have so many folks that are so ignorant to what the reality is. Like they think Alex Jones is, is waking up and like, there were lots of people that said, you know, make America great again and wearing red hats with their yellow vests. And, um, so they have no concept. They just kept spouting like anti-immigration type remarks, even though they're all immigrants or, you know, third generation immigrants at the very least, but they are all immigrants at the end of the day. And they don't understand, like, for example, how ridiculous they sound when they're like, you know, we're against fascists. And they called us fascists, um, the counter protesters. And um, and I laughed because they, they call us this. And then they have signs that say, Queen, fire, Justin Trudeau. Well, they don't even call him Justin Trudeau. They call him, uh, you know, uh, dope head. And, you know, what are you smoking? Like, it, it's awful. And I'm just always shocked that, you know, these folks show up now, but never showed up for any of this, you know, stuff that happened during Harper's era. So anyway, even uh, Jason Kenney has gotten on this, uh, you know, thing about, oh, these are powerful statements from the wife of an oil worker or, you know, from the other female construction workers, where we all know there's a huge disproportionate gap between women and men in these industries. Um, and I know firsthand because I was a drafter. And even in drafting, it was predominantly men that were doing that at the time that I was in there. So anyway, I just talked about the need for intersectional feminism, and uh, especially now in Alberta, because Jason Kenney, he's running for uh, the province, and he has no concept at all, because his leader, Harper, was on record for saying, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit, that's not even on my radar. And like, so clearly, this is a, a great example of intersectional feminism, where, you know, women who think they're standing up for women are actually standing up for putting down other women who are, are directly marginalized and disproportionately targeted because they're not white, literally. And, you know, we have the Canadian media happy to participate in white feminism because that helps amplify their voice and helps to amplify the split between anyone who's not white. And just create that back to the, um, you know, upper elite conversation of white uh, white Canadians talking about issues, completely forgetting and ignoring colonialism, you know, indigenous women's issues, all of these problems, right? Um, so I just, it's, it's just really showcasing, again, you know, the up and coming conservatives in the conservative party that have no concept of intersectional feminine feminism. And I'm certainly not saying that the liberal party is any better. And I'm, I'll talk more about that soon. Um, another great one, you're all hungry for indigenous artworks and trendy ceremony, but you don't want our politics or even our bodies in your spaces. I have so many examples of where, you know, non-indigenous, you know, are so wanting to wanting books, wanting to go buy earrings and, and such and unsure if they're really allowed to wear them and, and that, but they will never come to our rallies. In fact, I was, I was even more offended by the fact there were indigenous that didn't come to the rally on Saturday, but were the quickest to be like, well, why didn't you contact me on for the Tuesday one? you know, where you need to go that extra step. It's not enough you share it. It's not enough that you invite them to the Facebook page, but you actually have to physically call them and say, hey, I'm trying to organize this, but I know you need a personal phone call in order to hear about it. So, you know, I know they don't listen to the podcast. So it's unfortunate because 
you know, I want to help the community in many ways, but we just need more folks to figure out ways to be involved as well. Um, but we really need non-Indigenous who are absolutely, you know, listening to the podcast or, you know, following me on Facebook or Twitter to be talking about this outside of these circles and, and to non-Indigenous people about what the story is. Because the amount of misinformation that right now is being perpetrated by these Alex Jones, Russia-funded type, um, you know, independent media, I, I just, I can't believe that people will follow that junk. I, I, I'm always shocked, actually, by the amount of people that will see that as truth and just ignore all of the history of colonialism. And I mean, it's right in front of everybody. So that's what I can't really quite understand. Um, you know, a few other things I wanted to bring up. Uh, I know Angela uh, Starrett of CBC, she shared a great little video that it just does the pronunciation of what's happening here and uh, why it is we're seeing this resurgence. But another thing that I had shared on my Facebook, on the native Calgarian Facebook was um, a little more information about some of the highest court, court uh, cases that happen as a result of some of the hereditary chiefs trying to have jurisdiction over their uh, 22,000 square kilometer territory. And um, it, this helps really help others understand some of the terminology that you're hearing. And uh, there was a Supreme Court case in, in 1997 that they called uh, Delgamuk and a really great example of when, especially liberals, and I'm seeing a lot of white liberals saying this, well, what about the rule of law? What about the rule of law? But then they won't ever reference the 97 Supreme Court case that favored uh, hereditary chiefs in the Wisutuin uh, territory. So, yeah, there, there's so much to talk about. Uh, so for myself, you all know I'm Satu Dene. I'm in Blackfoot territory. So even for me, the reason why I want to give a shout out to Angela is that, you know, here she is doing this great work of explaining this because we don't speak that language. We don't uh, speak the uh, what Sutuin language because it's a language, it's a culture, and they are their own individual First Nation. So um, it's like you know Satu Dene culture, Satu Dene language, um, and identity all all in one. And then the uh, Unastodin camp that was first put up in 2010, and that is an actual territory for that for the Wasutuin that that is called their territory. They have other names for land like uh, Yinte. And again, I'm just going to say thank you to Angela for explaining that. And I'm bringing it up now so that others can understand. If you've listened to my podcast up to now, you'll hear me talk about how. Uh, Turtle Island, for example, is a, is a white colonial term to try to explain North America from an indigenous point of view. Um, and and it, it's a new term, obviously, because it's English to try to explain it. But I, I always try to emphasize, especially in my, you know, 25 minute land acknowledgement uh, teachings, is that every single nation has their own terminology for land. You know, and and not just one term, but many different terms. Like, for example, um, you know, I have a dictionary for Satu Dene, and in it they talk about not just the land, but like snow. And there's about you know 25 different definitions of snow, depending if it's been melted or if it's fresh or if it's at the end of the season or newer season. And 
that's why you're going to hear so many different references to the land in a different language because there's so many ways to understand the land and that's something hugely missing obviously in non-indigenous culture so you know i even for me i've found a lot of the information that's coming out uh very educational so that i have a fuller understanding of what it is that i'm fighting for in solidarity i mean ultimately for me these are human rights violations uh ultimately for me this is a sovereignty issue you know Consent is consent. If I say no, then no. Or if you're in the middle of something and I say no, you stop. You know, I don't understand why this is a hard concept for folks. But obviously, as a result of this, we have hereditary chiefs, um, lots of people from that nation coming out and doing a lot of um, education for us. So I just want to say a huge thank you. I hold my hands up for all of the folks trying to do this education for all of us. Um, and one of the books that I have on my shelf that even for me, I'm going to make time to reread is um, a book that came out by Arthur, Arthur Manuel. And I'm sure you've seen his daughters on the front lines fighting for the land and fighting for their sovereignty, fighting for their territory. And I put a, a bit of a link up on my Native Calgarian Facebook page so that folks can see this book and hopefully um, buy it and read it. Because again, even for me, like I understand a lot of indigenous issues, but they're very specific to different tori territories about what is happening where. And because I've always been either in Alberta or what's called, well, what's called Alberta and what's called Northwest Territories, these territories, um, I don't always have a fuller understanding of what's happening out in BC and, and books like this help to educate. And uh, I know Russ Dabble, he's been putting out this book like for easily you know, two years easily. And ever since Art Manuel passed away, um, Russ has been amplifying that book and, and that voice quite a bit. So, you know, obviously a huge shout out to all folks. I'm really honored and lucky to learn from you. So uh, with all of this, I, I wanted to bring up something that, wow, did it cut like a knife, point blank. I was really hurt. Like, you know, people were screaming squat at me all week, um, screaming at me to, you know, whatever. They're stupid um, ideology. I can't even... I, I actually, I'm not going to lie, at the yellow vest rally I seen on Saturday, I actually felt sorry for them because they absolutely have no clue what they're protesting and they have no clue what they're doing. All they know is they hate Justin Trudeau. And that the irony to that is that if they took five minutes to learn what Harper did to the energy industry... <laughs> I think they changed their tune. So actually at one point in time yelled out, there's a library behind the city hall here and uh, they have books and you should learn how to read them because they would actually clear up a lot of this misinformation. It was actually painful because um, my daughter, she just came for a minute. She was, uh, she's 11 and, you know, in grade six, they're learning about governance and even she was like eyes wide open, shocked at some of the things that she was hearing because, I mean, even I think that grade six, you know, governance structure is so poorly um, taught, but even she understands that the queen just can't fire Justin Trudeau and th these types of conversations. And, and she was quite shocked and people would talk to her like a condescending pricks they are because they're sexist as well as racist. They would say, Oh, 
paw patter on the head. That's so good. You get to learn about democracy. Not knowing, obviously, that she's like met Justin Trudeau and um, knows a hell of a lot more about not just Canadian governance, but also Indigenous governance and Indigenous land rights, Indigenous culture. So uh, she was schooling them and she's 11. And yeah, it was painful. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So all of this painful stuff I'm getting thrown at, right? But it was actually this that really hurt my feelings most. Um, and I, it shouldn't have, but it, I think it was because of the way she titled it. Here in Alberta, there's a former PC, so progressive conservative, that was elected that's no longer in office. And her name is Donna Kennedy uh, Glantz. And she actually wrote an article or a blog called Clearing the Plains 2.0. And of course, I read it with my hopes up thinking, wow, oh my God, she's actually in support of the Wasuetan and the, you know, Unistotan uh, camp. And, and I had it in my head that this was going to be something amazing. And uh, obviously referencing Clearing the Plains and having the, the actual cover of uh, James Dazjuk's book, I, I was thinking, oh my God, I can't believe this. This is wonderful. <sighs> It wasn't just point blank. Um, so for those who do not know, there's a wonderful book called Clearing the Plains. And in this book, there's, uh, and I actually have a hard time going through it. It's one of those books that I need to go slowly through it because it's actually so painful for me to read all of the government policies that were forced on anyone in the plains, any indigenous people in the plains to, you know, kill the buffalo, starve the people, force them onto uh, reserves, all of these policies that basically were set up in order for settlers to come here. For those who are so proud to be third generation Canadians, this is what your, um, you know, legacy is as families that was, was done to indigenous people. Anyway, um, when, she, when I seen the cover, I had assumed she read the book and assumed that she had a full understanding of what has happened to Indigenous people. And I was very, very wrong. I actually, um, I don't recommend anybody open up this, this blog because it's, it's really hurtful to see somebody take our pain, our history, and twist it in order to, you know, her point in this is that she thinks it parallels what the industry, the energy industry is going through to today about what the Canadian government is doing to the energy industry and that, you know, she, she says, we don't think Justin Trudeau hates Alberta, nor is he spiteful as he strangles the province and its petroleum twin Saskatchewan just as he has imagines a greater good for us in a confederation and in the world. I'm like, yeah, I, I really, really do actually think that you do think that to use that type of terminology. Um, strangle is a, is a very specific word about what it is. And like, again, you want to talk about whining crazy babies about the industry a man who has put forward policies on ge geothermal that literally came out of Alberta. I was actually a little butthurt about it. That Saskatchewan got it. He's bought a pipeline. He's done um, changes in order for energy to be able to grow and manifest and do clean energy projects that Harper stopped. 
and then to use indigenous people's pain and history as a talking point to talk further about the industry. I actually can't think of a more awful conversation to have than what she said. It's actually so awful that even non-Indigenous thought it was bad. So I'm going to read to you uh, Duncan Kenny's blog. It says, Here former Tory MLA, Redford-era cabinet minister, and supposed adult in the room for Jason Kennedy's PC leadership transition team, Donna Kenny Kennedy Glanz, compares the current policy stance from the Liberal government towards the oil and gas industry to the state-sponsored starvation, genocide, and land dispossession of the Indigenous peoples of Canada's plains. She's lost it. And, of course, all of the um, comments behind it, like 11, he says that uh, article that she wrote eight months ago is the same thing, where it's like, Albertans don't play the victim card lightly, which, yep, that's 100% true. And, uh, yeah, apparently she invented some constitutional lawyer to accuse uh, Trudeau of treason. And so many people that are white that are saying, you know, beyond polarity towards insanity, gross, just gross. This is cray cray, cookie nonsense. Um, You know, you have to voluntarily adopt the surname. No one will ever listen to you. I, I just was really shocked. Even white people was like, there's racist and then there's this kind of racist. And that that's what this is. I actually gave her a small video response because I could not believe. I wanted her to hear the pain in my voice that I could not believe she would write something like that. I, um, I'm hurt beyond hurt. And I just don't understand how I have, you know, 104 mutual friends. And she actually says this with on her intro. Uh, a passionate champion for beyond polarity thinking and acting. But what did she just write? The exact opposite thing of what she she says. And, you know, of course, who is on her um, blog, but former friends of mine saying, oh, I love your blog. And I totally agree with you that Justin Trudeau is treasonous, among other things. Happy New Year. You know, Folks don't like this shows me how folks do not want to understand indigenous issues to one tiny bit. And, and it's awful. It's, it's utterly and completely awful for people to not see that by agreeing with her blog, how hurtful that is to indigenous people to not understand indigenous, but then go ahead and treat her, you know, with some type of respect. It is shocking to me how many, you know, PC era friends I have that would even like continue to be friends with her after like, she's wrote some pretty racist stuff, but I think this is the one thing that's going to lead me to actually have to to block her and to block folks that share her stuff in a kind way, because I can't, I I can't actually expose my daughter to that kind of hate and racism because that's ultimately what it is. And for those who do not see that, like, I, I feel really, really bad for you. Um, this is monstrous. Like, we talk about creating safe and welcoming spaces for Indigenous. How, how can anybody justify that blog? How can anyone say we are totally all about the TRC uh, calls to action? Like, I... I am I am utterly and completely in shock that people would 
even put that out there. So, you know, native Twitter did go after it somewhat, but she doesn't care. Like she doesn't reply to anybody. And, um, even when indigenous like myself or other indigenous, um, reply to it, it's never like, you know, white feminism works in a white feminist way. They never amplify our message. They make their own amp message. That's basically what we said. And then they retweet each other. So we never actually get a voice anyway. And, um, and I think that also makes it awful. Like I'll see these so-called progressives that are like, what the hell happened to you, Donna? But they never retweet what we say as indigenous people. We never, never get our, our stuff retweeted. <sighs> so like, I don't understand. I don't understand how somebody like, you know, someone can say, oh, this is a horrific and shameful comparison. Uh, do you understand that there's a difference between an environmental plan, which you disagree with, and an actual genocide? You know, that gets well, at least 127 likes. But I mean, I don't even get 70 views in um, in these conversations. So it's just it's just disappointing to see Albertans, the way they even handle these situations when they happen. And um you know, she obviously does not care one tiny bit what Indigenous think or what other people think. So, you know, this is not somebody I'm going to... If it hurt that bad just seeing it one time, I will never follow her again. I'll never... You know, ha I have to block her in order to not read that type of vile thing being said. It's awful. I, I wish other people understood how much hurt and pain that causes when you're not even acknowledged... like acknowledging uh, the pain and suffering of indigenous, you know, using the Jews as a talking point um, in order to amplify your energy message, that would be like, everybody would be against that. In fact, there are probably laws of anti-Semitism out there. Oh, that was something else that happened at the, uh, at the rally on, on yesterday. Well, yesterday it was, I was actually walking to the C train and somebody was like, um, so you want me to go back to Israel? And I'm like, like, I didn't even engage with this man. I was just walking. And he goes, you're an anti-Semite. I'm like, I don't even know. Like this guy like just verbally attacked me and he brought like four kids with him. And I was like, what the hell kind of crazy is this man? So I, I was really shocked that people would say like the most ignorant things to me that they can, but then perpetuate an article that talks about, you know, genocide that happened on, on the plains. I honestly, sometimes I think I just live in another reality than most people. So, you know, with that, I wanted to uh, also point out something I shared on Native Calgarian that's, uh, you know, less than 24 hours old. Um, Marcus Paul, he posted uh, a really great shot of the RCMP um, in full tactical gear um, tackling a small Indigenous woman. And, you know, not surprised, not getting much shares, not getting much for comments. I don't know what it's going to take to get non-Indigenous to wake up. Um, and, you know, with all of this, I know a lot of people think that there's a lot of progressive politics out there, but like this is white feminism again and, and how there there isn't that intersectionality of understanding indigenous issues, understanding sovereignty issues, understanding consent. I want to read something that comes from September 4th, 2018. So this was right after Pride. Um, I'm a, a member of uh, Voices, and Voices are the LGBTQ2+, um, 
that are racialized here in the city that talk about issues that we face with racism. And, you know, one of our, one of the other co-founders, which most people know, most people respect, his name is Evans Yellow Old Woman. And uh, he put out an open letter to Premier Rachel Notley. And he says, uh, Dear Premier Notley, my name is Evans Yellow Old Woman. I am a member of the Siksika Nation. I am a co-founder and board member of Voices. I gave the land acknowledgement before your speech at Calgary Pride at the park uh, opening ceremony. Immediately after I gave a speech about building mindfulness of the impacts of colonial uh, colonization on Indigenous people in Canada, the importance of building community and caretaking of the land, you stood up and declared, we will build this pipeline. Pride is not the space to talk about the politics of a pipeline. You piggybacked off my speech and preferenced yours with the importance of recognizing the land immediately followed by your assurance that the Trans-Canada pipeline will be built. This is a prime example of the violence we as Indigenous people are repeatedly subjected to on our own territories, structural violence that we experience and oftentimes let slide because we have been conditioned to do so to appease those in power. I am here to say no more. Your justice system, the Federal Court of Appeal, declared your government and the people you do business with, Kinder Morgan, inadequately consulted with Indigenous people in which this pipeline would impact. By declaring you will overturn this ruling not only shows that you and your government have no idea what reconciliation is, but it reinforces the notion that the values of our lives as Indigenous people are inconsequential to that of the land, deeming areas and its inhabitants impacted by the construction of the pipeline as sacrifice zones. Mrs. Notley, or Ms. Notley, we do not own the land. We belong to it. Your comments are a threat to Indigenous people across Turtle Island. I would like to remind you and your government that economic exploitation of Indigenous community continues today, which is a human rights violation recognized by the UN. The missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit are directly impacted because of this continued exploitation. I implore you to uphold the promises you made to Indigenous people in your platform during elections. You stress that reconciliation with Indigenous people in Alberta was a top priority, but your actions as of late contradict that. Most recently, by pulling Alberta out of the federal uh, climate plan as a result of this court ruling, you solidified your position on reconciliation. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission call to action 57 is Indigenous education for all public servants. Thank you for illustrating in your pride speech that there still needs to be work around this. The United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People have frameworks readily available for your government to use. These guides can help you and all levels of government ensure you know what you're reconciling. Apologies are not work. They precede work. Don't be sorry, do better. In the spirit of reconciliation, Evans, yellow old woman from Voices. And um, I just recently reshared that because 100% it's, it's completely relevant today as we are now in the situation where the Wasutuan, specifically at the, the Unisowitan uh, 2010 camp, is now under attack by the RCMP. So, yeah, here we are. Thanks to this, you know, build that pipeline rhetoric that the yellow vests have now taken over since September um, and have amplified it with anti-immigration, um, other racist rhetoric, uh, sexist rhetoric, all these things. 
And now it's just amplified. And I'm just so sad and disappointed that there's so many folks who are unaware of it. So, you know, um, Harsha uh, Walia, she's been really helping with a lot of this core organization. And I've been really grateful to share a lot of her posts. So I definitely encourage everyone to be following her and following what she posts. Uh, there's also the, we support the Unistoten and uh, Wasuetan grassroots movement. There's that group as well. I, I just really implore everybody to be following. There's a legal fund for the overall work that they're doing. Uh, there's one that's really uh, specific to the clan of uh, 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 Gedemden, and they're an access point. So please share those types of um conversations that are out there because we're just going to keep going with this uh labor union ufcw local 1510 18 said that they support what's happening and that they say that um uh, we call upon the government coastal gas link and the rcmp to respect the inherent rights and titles to the Wasowitan territory and not attempt to suppress or supersede those rights in any way and are fully on board with the full implementation of the 94 calls to action as well as the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. Um, this is your time, allies, to condemn what's happening. This is really your time. So, you know, if you were one of those groups of people, whether you're uh, the federal liberals or whether you're the provincial NDP, now is the time to not just condemn the yellow vest movements, racist, anti-immigration, treasonous type rhetoric, but also to be saying, you know, if we legitimately care about reconciliation, then we understand what consent means and that we understand the sovereignty issues that the Wissowitan are actually facing. So, if you consider yourself an ally, now is the time to step up. And um, yeah, I think uh, maybe we need to expand a little more on what allyship is. Obviously, Dana, uh, Donna Class Kennedy is not. <laughs> she is not at all uh, an ally because an ally obviously would not use our pain and suffering as a weapon against us. So... I have met, um, oh, I wanted to say about yesterday's rally, I'm really proud of you, Nadine, and I want to say thank you to Grant from Calgary Social Change for helping us with uh, being able to utilize the Calgary Social Change Facebook um, pages and events so that we can try to work on these issues and not be directly targeted. And uh, I'm hoping that... Um, we're going to have something likely Thursday morning to contribute with the hashtag shutdown Canada here in Calgary, but that's in its uh, early phases. And I'm mentoring uh, some new activists because activism, activism is hard. Um, you know, you get targeted and you get branded and, and labeled and even from your own people, like I obviously talk about lateral violence on a regular basis and this is absolutely no different about who's, you know, native enough according to some and um, I'm always shocked who's willing to take credit for co-organizing things when, you know, <sighs> they won't even amplify the voice of, the, of, the, of others and I just want to keep encouraging especially the youth, the Indigenous youth. I'm only here because I've been mentored. I've been mentored by so many non-Indigenous as well as Indigenous. 
And if I can help you at all, find your voice. I think now is the time. I think, you know, we're talking about reconciliation, sovereignty issues, consent. I mean, and I've put this out there all week talking about how the land has been, 100% of the land has been taken from Indigenous people. And we've been forced by force to go on to 0.02% of the land. And of that 0.02% of the land, the RCMP and the Canadian government are still forcing, um, you know, pipelines and railways and and um, right-of-ways onto Indigenous land without their consent. And I, I'm so tired of this conversation, as I'm sure my ancestors and my um, people before me and activists who have been on the front lines for decades feel. I'm shocked that Canadians who claim to care about human rights, like, for example, we brought in some woman from Saudi Arabia that had a social media campaign and, you know, willingly, rightfully brought in a refugee. We all celebrate those human rights, but we don't celebrate, you know, the RCMP violating Indigenous uh, rights. And I'm you know, lawyers, I, I can't believe they're the first ones to be like, well, you know, what about um, the rule of law? And completely, of course, ignoring a, a Supreme Court case in 1997. You know, it's it's just so hypocritical. I get so tired of it. And I'm, I'm just shocked that people will, you know, not really understand what allyship means. Like, for example, um, I know what voices I sh try to share a lot on our Facebook page and our Twitter, and I try to amplify the voices of, say, Evans, Yellow Old Woman, or um, others in the LGBTQ community. I have uh, one post specifically from Dave Bettinger, and he, um, he talked about how, you know, if you're voting for the very people who are oppressing the LGBT community, then you are complicit in in that and in the oppression of lgbt and i feel the exact same way as an indigenous person where you know if you're voting for this then you are voting for the oppression of indigenous people and i just i don't understand why it's so cool and trendy to stand up for some people's rights and not others and i just i don't want that i want equality across the board I, human rights are the right thing to stand up for and i want that across the board fairly so, you know, I, I want to ask people, what does allyship mean to you? I'd love to hear from you. Send me in your comments about what you think allyship is, because I, I have a question for you. Are you willing to miss work in order to stand up for Indigenous people? Are you, are you willing to do that? What about being arrested? Are you willing to do that? Would you be willing to do it for somebody from Saudi Arabia or South Sudan? but not Indigenous people? Would you be willing to do it for the LGBTQ2 plus community, but not Indigenous people? This is a great example to start questioning your bias. Because if you're willing to do it for some and not others, then you have racial bias. You really need to question that. What are you willing to do as an ally? Because right now, I don't even see people sharing the information. So I need people to step up, figure out what allyship means to you. Because I don't care if you don't share it from me. I want you to share it from the others. I specifically want you to be sharing from the Wasuetan. But what is happening on Wasuetan lands? You know, there's this um, BC liberal. He's not federal. He's provincial. And he said some awful racist things. And he keeps showcasing all of the pro-pipeline indigenous voices. And I know people attack me for, you know, not being anti-pipeline enough. But point blank, that makes me a hypocrite if I do that. 
And I'll tell you why. I used to draft wells and pipelines. That was my job. Obviously, I see now, you know, the problems in consent and sovereignty issues that <laughs> I can trust you are not a part of any of the drafting that I did. Um, but it's not the point. The point is bigger than that. The point is, is that there wasn't consent in general anyway. Um, the wells and pipelines that I did draft, you know, it wasn't like there was um, consent that was meaningful and, and truthful and honest. Because I think for me, a lot of Indigenous people, uh, specific, specifically the Indian Act chiefs, the Indian Act was, is designed to be, um, you know, okaying everything in Indian affairs. That's the whole point of it. It's just, it's not real governance. It's just legislation that was forced upon us on the 0.02% of the land that we're expected to live within. So it's not a real form of governance. That's what the hereditary chiefs are about and uh, traditional land acknowledgements of understanding like where this land really belongs. So like Calgary being point blank, this meeting place, this Mokinstis is um, this meeting in the elbow where, you know, many people traded here, many indigenous nations traded here for years, for millennia, um, met here. But this is traditional Blackfoot territory. You know, and we don't, we don't talk about in order for us to live here in the city and the boundaries, what happened to the indigenous in order for us to live here? You know, and that's part of the reason why I ran for Ward 10. So people have to be honest about what allyship means. Okay, maybe you didn't believe in me enough to, you know, donate to my campaign, door knock with me, amplify my voice. What, I, I don't care about that nearly as much as I care about the Wasuetans' human rights, land rights, cultural rights being trampled on by the RCMP right now. This is real time right now in Canada. So easy to point at, I don't know, Saudi Arabia or some other place that other people like to demonize all the time. Even the U.S. Oh, we're better than the U.S. Are we? Really ask yourself what allyship means and start questioning those biases. So speaking of which, the Women's March is on Saturday. It's always on Saturdays. Why? Because then people won't miss work. Because, again, what's allyship? We know as women... We're not going to get men to miss work to come march with us. And I see it all the time for the Sisters and Spirit Vigils. It happens on October 4th, Saturday or not, end of discussion. And I don't see a lot of people joining us for our marches because, you know, allyship may, might mean missing some work. You have to decide what's important to you, right? You know, the, this is uh, Canada. This is Alberta. It was based on Christian colonial values. So you have holidays for your colonial Christian values, but there's no, you know, time off of work to go every October 4th for the Sisters in Spirit March when there should be, you know, there should be that cultural understanding or at least that respect to indigenous people's lands that have been stolen, but it's not there. So anyway, Women's March is on Saturday. Um, I obviously encourage everyone to go to it and uh, I've been a little taken aback. I mean, once again, I would not be having a platform at all if it wasn't for the wonderful mentors in my life. Uh, Josie Nipponak, uh, she was the one who, you know, asked me to be a part of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit Committee um, because obviously I care about the violence against Indigenous women topic. If you listen to my podcast um, that was a Patreon-only podcast. For the first time, you got to hear my mom. And you got to literally hear how sweet and kind this woman is. And um, 
you know, we didn't get into any of the deep stuff. I don't know if she'll ever want to, but ultimately everyone knows I'm, I'm very honest. First images of my life are my two parents fighting. And, uh, and this has to stop. We can't have more kids growing up in domestic violence situations. And, um, you know, obviously my family is the perfect example of Canada where you have intergenerational trauma in an Indigenous woman versus a Canadian colonial uh, concept. And of course, they're fighting all the time. Their their values are, are fighting, even though she was, you know, literally her, her and her family abused by the Catholic Church to be Catholic. So she was forced to take on all Western views. And, and yet, even then, they couldn't make it work. And they physically fought with each other. So, you know, women's marches obviously matter a lot to me when you when you start talking about, um, you know, abusive situations. And I would argue Canada and uh, Indigenous have that perfect abusive situation where there's this, you know, group in charge in every systemic way possible, legislative, um, every way possible. They, they control the money, they control everything and um, have forced Indigenous into small pockets of land. Like the parallels of abuse is just so perfect if you look at any intimate partner violent uh, model of Canada and Indigenous being exactly the same. So, you know, Women's March on Saturday, um, Josie Nipponak, uh, the executive director of Auton Healing Lodge, would have loved to have spoken at it. But um, as, you know, any other Indigenous person needs to focus on what's really important and, you know, relationships with family and, and other commitments, of course, highest priority. So she asked me to speak, and I'm going to speak on behalf of uh, our committee talking about the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit in the city of Calgary. And this is part of the reason why I ran. I still can't believe Calgarians do not understand this issue. You know, this yellow vest movement talking about construction workers. This is literally the root of it is right here in Calgary. All of it. So come join us. I only have three to five minutes to try to put together some kind of conversation to show everybody what uh, all of this means. And I don't know if I can do that, but... At least I can encourage people to listen to other Indigenous voices on many different podcasts because there's so many now. It's not just me. There's so many out there. Uh, with that, I just want to say Indigenous have been talking about our issues, our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they do not recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, know that your vote is directly negatively impacting marginalized people. Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples. The multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, sexism, they literally have no business running. And I'm looking at you too, yellow uh, vest movement. You literally have no concept of politics. It should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, etc. Uh, violence is my everyday reality. 
every indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without glass gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs. And usually by people who know nothing about indigenous people, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of indigenous people, our protests, our vigils and our rights. Just the typical microaggressions that, you know, indigenous people are always dealing with internalized racism you know people who are gatekeepers that survive off of the status quo or people who are in their trauma and they stop people from doing good work and depleting a lot of the personal resources external internal racism is an everyday reality for indigenous people and i just want to throw it out to the newer activists or the activists right now that are trying to do what they can for the wasuetin uh solidarity um actions that we're doing no you're on the right path and when you know people say you're not res enough you're not traditional enough you are enough you don't let that stuff stop you listen to the hereditary chiefs of the wasuatin that's who i'm trying to listen to um we're always in constant uh, communication and what's important is that we're amplifying their voice because activists we don't do this for us we do it for everyone else that's the whole point of doing this. This is a public service to educate Canadians on what's happening, but more so for me in a power of, of in a position of power or privilege and a, a platform to use my voice. You, the Wasuatin and their uh, sovereignty issues and the violence that the, the colonial violence they're receiving right now from the RCMP. That's all that matters to me right now is their voice because it's not okay. It's not okay for. Uh, the Canadian government to be going around to the global stage and talking about, you know, feminism and other issues. I'm glad they are, but they really do need to reevaluate that one finger pointing out is three fingers pointing back. And I'm pretty sure that we can all agree between the, um, get it, um, the, uh, Wasowitan, between all the camps that, um, we see what's happening right now and that we need to be using this across the country to say this stops now. I know I don't know more did such a great job with Harper. This is our time to step up and say, this is not okay with Trudeau. Yes, they want to be allies, but that doesn't mean they're doing a good job of it. And we have to start working harder at um, doing what we can to amplify others voice. Anyway, you know, I, uh, I do this podcast as a boundary it's been incredibly healing for me to talk about what's happening right now in present day but my hope is that my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of trying to talk about these present day issues in a way that they can understand I want to always be talking about cultural safety solutions and what you can do to start creating a safer place for marginalized people you know indigenous people people of color those with disabilities, LGBTQ2+, so that people have a platform, you know, do something. Having good intentions and thoughts and prayers, it's not enough. You have to take action to make change. That might mean actually doing, you know, missing some work or um, maybe even getting arrested. How wonderful would that be? Thank you, Elizabeth May. Uh, speak out against racism. Ask questions of those with more understanding. Find allies and create a support a support system for yourself so that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. 
read, reflect, ask questions. I gave you a book today, Art Manuel's book. Uh, do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people. And I'll throw out another one, and it's Lee Miracle's book about talking conversations with Canadians. It's a book I have not read that I want to read, but I know I've been privileged enough to hear her speak at the UFC, and she's fabulous. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases, and I think I emphasized that soon before. Question everything you've so-called learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Uh, commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. Uh, www.heretohelp.bc.ca of what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Well, there's some friggin' irony right there, right? Here we have a link all the way from BC that actually teaches you cultural safety. And yet here is Canada still not getting it. You know, internalized racism, lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people experience every single day by the structure of racism imposed on these lands from the Indian Act, from Indian residential schools and other clearing the plains policies. Um, you can Google lateral violence or internalized racism. And there's some great information by Donna Bevins at racialequitytools.org. What is internalized racism? And then do and don't uh, for bystander intervention. And American Friends of Service Committee, they have a great link on this as well. What you can do when you see people being sexist, being racist, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, or any other form of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, do make your presence known. If possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed. Ask them if you want your support. Move closer to the person being harassed. Uh, create a barrier between the harasser and the person being harassed. If it's safe to do so. And being um, the person being har harassed consents, film the and record the incident. I can tell you how many times that has de-escalated a situation for me. Take cues from the person being harassed. Is the person engaging with the harasser? Uh, would you like me to walk over here? Can I move to another train car? Do you want this person to leave you alone? Follow their lead. Photos, notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that. Especially folks don't tone police the person being harassed. That's been a problem we've been having this whole week where people are saying, well, you're so angry. So how can we even have a reasonable conversation? And I just keep thinking, and you're so ignorant. So how can we have a reasonable conversation when you don't even know what you're talking about? Uh, notice, follow up with the individual being harassed after the incident is over. See if they need anything else. I'm going to tell you point blank. Usually people will be embarrassed and say, no, give them your card anyway. Give them your contact information anyway, because later after they've, you know, had a cry and had time to process it, they may want that information. I know even for me, like it's been almost a week since our first rally and things are kind of coming to me about how I feel about it, but I just couldn't process it until now. So the mo most important thing that you got to do is keep yourself safe. You know, assess your surroundings, see if there's others that you can pull in. Working as a team is better if possible, and usually the bully will stand down. Um, can you and the person being harassed move to a safer space? Bottom line, don't call the police unless you've been asked to. Uh, for many uh, communities experiencing harassment right now, Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, immigrant, trans, Indigenous, the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure we all understand that as of now. I'm hoping you've seen the RCMP pictures of, you know, violent takedowns. Uh, don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not incite further violence from the attacker or words like, you know, violence are words. And I don't, I read Evan's yellow old woman statement and they were very clear. These words hurt. When I told you about Donna um, Kennedy's glasses blog, it hurt. You know, violence is words too. And I wouldn't say awful, horrible things to a Jewish survivor, a Holocaust survivor. Why is it okay for non-Indigenous to just kind of stop and take a step back and listen to Indigenous? We have survived genocide. Listen to us. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. So if you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, just move closer to the person being harassed to communicate. This is not okay with your body. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, uh, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, and what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. I want to uh, say thank you to my stepmom for teaching me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian. Through her, I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he's witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, who we are blessed to learn from every day, I'm so honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and a stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Amanda, Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Joni, Judy, Kenna, Matt, Nancy, Nathan, Phyllis, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up and, and supporting me through this. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. If you cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. We are now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. NativeCalgarian.com is up where you can share with your friends. So try to amplify the voice of the Wasuatin. I appreciate that.